Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Welcome to season four of Obsessed Show. You'll note that we are no longer calling it Obsessed with Design. This season, we'll still be chatting with designers from branding, illustration, architecture, and design thinking, but we'll also be talking to other makers and creatives along the way. In fact, when we started the show, the plan all along was to broaden out and talk to other guests eventually, which was part of why our website and Twitter handle and Instagram are all Obsessed Show. If you're into what we're doing here, you might also want to check out my personal branding and marketing tips called 59 Second Friday. That's over at youtube.com slash Josh Miles. That's enough about season four. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with Art BJ. According to his personal website, Art is a designer of things and is especially proud and impressed by the design that blends seamlessly into our lives and enables us to move around the world in simple and elegant ways. Today, Art is the lead design engineer for Peak Design, who makes some amazing travel, tech, and everyday carry bags for film and photo professionals. Today, we'll talk about Art's background, Peak's love of Kickstarter, and what he's most obsessed with right now. Today's show is not sponsored by Peak Design, although I wish it were. I personally purchased a Peak Design bag a few years ago for my design gear, laptop, and whatnot, and have started carrying my camera regularly for photography and video as well. I do get compliments on it all the time and absolutely love the functionality of this bag. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Art BJ. Okay, kids, today on Obsessed with Design, I'm chatting with Art Vijay, lead design engineer at Peak Design. So from the Kevin Bacon School of Networking, Art, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Thanks, Josh. Good to be here. Hey, I don't know if you knew this, but um, I was actually carrying my Peak Design bag around some uh, UX designers who knew Anna Saracino, who's Adam's sister that works with you, and or Adam that works with Peak, and they're like, "Oh, you like Peak? You should you should know the guys at Peak." And I was like, "Actually, I do a podcast. I want to I want to interview those guys." So it's been been quite the process. But thanks for making it on the show. Yeah, no problem. So we have had a ton of uh, graphic designers and a few illustrators and a few UX designers, some process designers, some architects, interior designers. We really have not had very many physical product designers at all on the show. So I'm really excited to, to hear your perspective. Yeah. I noticed that looking through your show list, I was like, well, either people are going to find this extremely boring and irrelevant or very, very interesting because it's a different thing. So yeah, I mean, I, I, we build physical goods and, uh, being in San Francisco, that's, uh, becoming stranger and stranger these days. It seems like most people, most like design things that I go to, they're, product designers in the sense of kind of software as service stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're nuts and bolts, aluminum, steel, fabric. Those are, those are the tools of our trade. So, Well, give us a little bit of your origin story. How did you find yourself designing these amazing bags in SF? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I, I come from a, a family of uh, artists, I think is the best way to describe them. <laughs> some eccentric folks and uh, 
very creative and um you know they moved out to san francisco in the late 70s and converted you know warehouse spaces into kind of artist live work stuff and very much a part of that kind of fabric of kind of artist maker culture in san francisco so um and i th i think that's really kind of influenced a lot of my kind of creative path um I, you know, I always figured that I'd be doing fine art sculpture or something like that. And that's what most of my schooling and kind of path was on for a long time until kind of very late in the game. I kind of discovered, you know, more kind of commercial art stuff in this in the by way of graphic design. Uh, I was <laughs> I ended up getting a job at a sign shop <laughs> called Signorama and uh, <laughs> was doing, you know, sign making and then eventually graphic design and you know we eventually was a working graphic designer for about 10 years after that and um uh but ended up going to design school at san francisco state and um after you know a lot of debate about going to you know a kind of a larger for-profit art school with you know a sixty thousand dollar a year price tag and uh decided that i wanted to kind of emerge the other side debt-free so went the the state school route and uh pretty glad i did actually and uh then i was doing and and that was for industrial design and um yeah really kind of found uh industrial design through through sculpture actually i was doing a lot of um fine art sculpture stuff and uh was really just kind of obsessed with these physical objects that you could touch and hold and the kind of tactile experience of it all was very important to me. And, um, and that kind of led its way into industrial design, you know, like I didn't, I think industrial design is one of those disciplines that people don't really, I mean, I, I remember being in class and just kind of looking around being like, holy crap, this is a very diverse group of people just in terms of age range alone. Um, you know, people who are coming back after, you know, careers in engineering or careers in you know, some other discipline and being like, I didn't know that gra what graphic design was, you know, it's this kind of amorphous, ethereal, <laughs> it's this thing that's all around us. Uh, everything that, you know, I'm looking at, looking at you right now on a MacBook, it's sitting on a table, it's sitting on a carpet and all of these things are designed objects that uh, kind of go unforeseen. So the, the process and uh, kind of, uh, the whole process behind those things became kind of an obsession for me. And uh, so that's where I put my efforts. And then uh, outside of design school, I, uh, I was doing freelance work and, you know, paying the bills, bartending, and uh, just trying to get my foot in the door somewhere and eventually met up with, uh, with, uh, with Peter Daring, um, who uh, at that point was a uh, glowing uh, 20 something year old, I don't know how old he was at that point, 27 year old or something like that, who had just uh, wrapped up and shipped um, the capture uh, camera clip uh, Kickstarter project, which uh, for those of you unfamiliar was uh, uh, the, the first product that Peak Design launched and uh, was uh, at the time the second most funded crowdfunding project of all time. I uh, did about three hundred and something thousand dollars, um, and that kind of left him with just this kind of 
kind of he described you know it's this kind of blue ocean state of just like okay what do we do next you know we have mm -hmm. this little pile of money that we've made here we've delivered our products uh and we've done it on time and people love it and like should we build a company and uh him bringing on adam uh who you mentioned earlier who is a buddy of his from college to do you know build a website and do marketing and all of that stuff and then um eventually bringing uh some some sales contractors on and then and then me on as um originally just kind of doing everything uh you know shipping customer service and uh and then eventually you know i kind of <laughs> our first interview was basically uh him kind of outlining the the job and we had got introduced through friends and i was kind of looking for industrial design gigs and uh he outlined the entire uh, job, and I basically sat back and said, "I read this, and honestly, it makes me nervous. I I don't think it's <laughs> like straight up. Like these are things that I am not good at. You know, uh, like I'm a very kind of spacey, creative guy, and it's like manage incoming, uh, you know, QC procedures for you know, it, you know, inbound ticketing for CS and all of this stuff, and." I'm just like, I don't know the first thing about that. Like, I, I, I don't know my way around a spreadsheet, like, <laughs> to save my life. And, uh, and he's like, well, you seem like a smart guy. I like, you know, just kind of like, we're, we're getting along well. Like, I, I think you'll figure it out. This is, this is basic stuff. Don't worry about it. I'm like, all right. And it, kind of in the back of my head, I'm like thinking like, eventually he's going to need some more design tasks. You know, he, he didn't think he did it at the time. There was like some packaging stuff that I was going to be working on, but, um, and uh, and that was kind of the, the start of a, a beautiful friendship that's been, I don't know, six or seven years now or something like that. And nine Kickstarters later, eight Kickstarters later, I don't even, I've lost count at this point. And uh, yeah. So did, did Peter have a, uh, a design background himself or a photography background or what kind of led him to create Capture? Yeah. Um, so Pete is a really interesting guy. I've never met anyone like him. Uh, so he basically was a, a civil engineer um, and had a civil engineering gig here in the Bay Area uh, working for a giant construction company and uh, just kind of hated his job, <laughs> basically. And uh, he's an extremely entrepreneurial guy, very, very sharp. And um, went on, basically quit his job, went on this big kind of like soul-searching trip um, uh, through Southeast Asia on a motorcycle, uh, I think maybe a six-month trip or something like that. And along the way, um, you know, photography for him was his creative outlet. Um, it was something that he took, you know, relatively seriously. He wasn't a pro, pro photographer by any means, but, you know, just one of these I think we can all relate like when you're when you're traveling and you know kind of trying to experience new things you drag a camera around with you and mm -hmm. uh, for him he's on this trip and he's trying to ride a ride a motorcycle through Vietnam and uh, the, he's got this camera dangling from a strap and it's you know uh, just a total like safety hazard first and foremost but pain in the ass um, in general um, so he was kind of like God has got to you know there's got to be a better way uh, in classic kind of eureka moment. Uh, I think he was talking, you know, basically realizing like I'm wearing this backpack the entire time. I'm doing all this stuff. Like, why can't I like the backpack has straps? 
the camera has straps, that's redundant. Like, how do we like put the camera on the backpack strap? So that put him on this journey of, um, you know, uh, learning about manufacturing and talking to me and like, building, you know, crappy wood prototypes of this thing and the early <laughs> laughable. Um, and uh, talking to photographers and uh, just kind of going down this whole journey of building this product. And funny enough, he did all that without um, without knowledge of Kickstarter at all. So he actually self-funded the whole thing, quit his job, got a job bussing tables or running food or something like that at a restaurant to help pay the bills while he was, you know, working, you know, long weeks trying to get this thing off the ground, took out like a something really silly like a ten thousand dollar loan from his parents or something like that to take out the aluminum die cast tooling um <laughs> which you know this is a, it's an aluminum part and um and then basically built the product and was ready to launch it and then uh and then someone i i can't remember exactly how it happened but uh someone said hey have you seen this kickstarter thing you know and this is in 2010 Mm -hmm. So Kickstarter had been around for less than a year at that point, I think. And um, so the product was more or less cooked at that point, um, but he didn't really know what to do next. You know, he couldn't afford to make a lot of them. He didn't know where to sell them. He, uh, I, I, I don't actually think that the product was fully, fully baked, but he had intended to kind of more or less uh, produce the product regardless. So he decided to, you know, give it a shot, made a video, put it up there, and... Uh, I mean, the rest is history, I guess. Cool. Huge response. Got a New York Times article, uh, you know, like a bunch of really great media coverage and kind of, I mean, laid, it, laid, laid what has become a great foundation for the company. So, And Kickstarter has been um, kind of an ongoing thing for you guys as well. You've continued to, to launch new products via that platform. What's... what's um, What's the strategy there? How maybe talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, this the strategy is the strategy is independence. Um, someone described Peak Design as a pirate ship. <laughs> 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 I, I think that's like a good way to think of it. Like this, like kind of weird band of misfits uh, who are you know trying to make things happen and design really really uh, innovative aggressively innovative is the way I like to think about it on um, stuff and uh, really taking ground floor level design approaches on um, on on the gear that we build and uh, that it takes a tremendous uh, amount of R&D uh, and uh, drains you know a, a lot of money and the traditional route to dealing with that is to seek some sort of outside finance um, whether that's venture capital or that's you know finding some other you know form of investment, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, sort of the growth path that we are on, you know, we, when we did our straps, like for example, when we wanted to do our first bag, uh, we didn't know the first thing about it. We know we knew we wanted to do all of our hardware from scratch, you know, just the tooling costs on that gets to be pretty, pretty wild, let alone, mm -hmm. you know, talking about a year and a half of development where you're not making or selling anything. Um, <laughs> And uh, Kickstarter has been basically our way to maintain independence. Uh, so we don't have, you know, we're all owned by either Pete or um, or or the employees, and um, 
and it's really allowed us to kind of guide our own roadmap. We don't make any outside decisions. It's allowed us to, to uh, have an incredible uh, kind of uh, giving wing to the business. Uh, we're members of 1% for the planet, and uh, we're, we just funded this uh, movie that's about uh, grizzly bear conservation that is uh, going to be in the Banff uh, Film Festival or isn't the Banff Film Festival and is going to be touring with them called Grizzly Country. Uh, we've, uh, and, and, but most importantly, and the reason that we keep coming back to Kickstarter is that it's kind of been baked into the DNA of our design process. Mm -hmm. um, and this tight community that we've formed through this, this uh, platform, and not just Kickstarter, but just kind of having this like really great back and forth dialogue with our customers in the form of surveys and live hangouts and all these meetup events that we do and um, I, kind of our, our product ambassadors and all of this stuff um, has really driven our product decisions in a lot of ways and, and, and shapes the, the feature set and the, kind of the basis of design for everything we build. And um, I mean, as a designer, it's a real treat to be able to send out a survey and you know, usually, like to get people to answer a survey, it's like you gotta—it's like pulling teeth. You gotta pay them, basically. Right. We send out a survey for you know 24 hours, and we get 3,500 responses back, and uh, and it's like a 20-minute long, really grueling, terrible survey <laughs> that we make people take, <laughs> um, and like they're they're ecstatic to do it, and they want to help, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's a tremendous resource uh, as a designer. Well, tell me a little bit about um, what the design process looks like at Peak Design and, and your involvement in that. Sure. Um, I mean, it's it's funny. We've we've grown and we have this whole team now. And you actually, when you introduced me, you said lead design engineer. But the way I think of myself is, I, I mean, we don't really have titles. It's just kind of, and I think that goes to the whole point. It's like, I, I'm not a design engineer. I don't have engineering background. I've done you know, napkin engineering for our products that, you know, people <laughs> engineers would find laughable. But uh, at the end of the day, um, we, you know, we, we, we build great products and now we do have full mechanical engineers and they do find it laughable. But um, it's, uh, we don't really have titles and that's, that's changing a little bit as we grow and we just need like a little bit more structure in the, in the, in the company. But um, I think of our, of peak design in, in a lot of ways as like as like a design studio that is just is lucky enough to design its own products um and then we 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 try very hard to kind of uh keep, keep things fast and light <clears throat> so design resource wise it's myself and two other soft goods designers and a developer that we're uh, bringing on for the, the kind of soft goods side of things. And that's the, that's the bags and straps side of the business. And then for the hard stuff, um, we've, which includes kind of like clips and honestly, we don't make a ton of, it used to be all we make, but it, it's, we don't have a huge amount of hard goods in the company right now, but we have a couple of big projects that we've had in the works for God, four or five years now. And, um, so on that side of things, we've got four or five engineers and a couple of project managers. So um, we all 
cross collaborate on all the different projects as needed and we each have you know deep skill sets in some in some area and we kind of help each other out but at the end of the day um, each member of the team generally has ownership of uh, of a product um, and we feel that that kind of ownership uh, breeds a lot of uh, depth um, it's the thing that the designer ends up thinking about on the weekends, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with ideas about because there's that that sense of ownership rather than they're working on some piece of some larger thing. So um, our, uh, you know, our, uh, I mean, as far as design process goes, though, um, in a lot of ways, uh, I think our story of design is a story of being bold and kind of biting off more than you can chew in a lot of ways. I, I, I've used the term uh, design through naivety. Uh, just just not like, uh, for example, bags is the perfect example of that. I have no, I have no experience in soft good design, uh, but I'm a tremendous uh, learner. I dive extremely deep into things that I get passionate about, and uh, bags are something that I got passionate about. Um, and kind of approaching that from an industry outsider, I think in a lot of ways, um, gives a number of, uh, you know, advantages and disadvantages, but um, it allows you to make decisions that other kind of more entrenched companies find are like, we don't do it that way because of X, Y, and Z, like <clears throat> our own hardware is a great example of that, I think. Um, it's incredibly expensive. <laughs> uh, there's you know, 10 companies out there that are giant companies that have been doing it for a long time that have huge hardware catalogs that you can just pick pick and choose what you want. They're guaranteed to work. If they don't work, it's it's basically the liability is on that company more or less. They, they, they've done all the testing and everything like that. So you're taking on more risk. And, and, it's, and then the hardware itself, because you don't have <clears throat> the scale and the tooling and all of that kind of amortized into the product uh, is significantly more expensive. But at the end of the day, um, it's we wanted to be able to take full ownership of that whole kind of feature set integration. And uh, the only way we could do that is if we just kind of did it, did it from scratch. So, and those are things like looking back on it. Like if I, if I knew now what I, if I, if I, having built a lot of bags at this point, I don't know that I would have made that decision again. You know, it's just, it's, it's a very mm -hmm. difficult um, value decision to make, to be like, yeah, that's the right move. Cause there's just so many other ways to spend, you know, resources. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, about two years ago, I went looking for a new bag that would, you know, do all the things, something that I could put my laptop in and I, you know, travel a couple of times a month for, you know, just a day or two and, um, have various amounts of gear. And, uh, back then I wasn't carrying a camera regularly. Um, and I, I do now. Um, but, but I was introduced to peak design through a, a bag review video and this guy was going through like five or six different bags and kind of his favorites from the year. And so, um, the peak bag and one or two others were interesting. So I, I went to all the websites and then checked out more 
And you guys had created, I want to say it was like a seven or eight minute long video on this 20 liter everyday bag that was just showing all the details and the zippers and all the things that you're saying, like, man, if I had to do over, I'm not sure if I would do that again. But that's what really stood out to me was seeing all the details and to see how considered every little thing was of, okay, there's this secret compartment and there's a there's a strap inside here. And I don't know if I'd ever even use that strap, but that's amazing that that's that's in there and all these all these little details. So for me, that's that's the DNA that's inside. Um, all the things that you guys make are is that incredible attention to detail. So uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Love love what you guys are doing, and um, don't know if it makes business sense, but I think all of those little details are are definitely well well received to people who pay attention to design. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. And, 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 and at, at a base level, I think that boils down to treating the customer as a incredibly informed and smart consumer. Uh, not just consumer, but you know, just user. And in, in, a, in a sense, like I think people who get really deep into gear are themselves have... A, such a design mind, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of ways I think people are, especially with bags, like bags are one of those things that people get very obsessed about, like finding the perfect bag and God, if they could just design it themselves. And uh, <laughs> I think that a lot of other larger companies in the past have kind of really, uh, <laughs> someone once described, uh, Peak design. This is a, to our founder actually. So this is secondhand. I wasn't there, but basically it was like, oh yeah, peak design. You guys are the guys who make the bags that didn't get value engineered to death. <laughs> and I, I I think that was another a CEO of another company to to our CEO. But I, that always just stuck me stuck out to me as like that is like exactly what our bags are. Like uh, our our build materials builds on these bags are incredibly high compared to our competitors and um but it shows you know um it, it could if it wasn't done well it could just be a big waste of money and we wouldn't have a business but we we're we fight really hard to get our costs down but we uh and we try and because we're trying to squeeze every single bit of detail and feature and functionality out of every corner of those bags um and people notice they really do. I mean, I get like handwritten letters from people with photos of them with their bag in, you know, some crazy corner of the world and like pouring their hearts out on the page about how, you know, their search for the perfect bag and how it's been this 20 year journey of trying to find the perfect bag and how appreciative they are of all the detail that's gone into it. And it's, uh, it's pretty humbling, frankly. I did not expect, um, that level engagement from people, you know, when we put out the bags originally. So it's, uh, people are smart, man. They, uh, especially, I think this is the story of internet commerce and, you know, people being able to get extremely deep into the things that they consume. Uh, and, uh, yeah, right place, right time, I suppose, to make OCD bags. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's like, uh, children to some extent, but do you have a, a favorite bag or, or piece that you've designed or one that you find yourself personally using the most? It changes from time to time. I mean, I, 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 the everyday backpack is 
a truly useful piece of gear. I mean, any backpack in general, like, uh, it's just such a, it's, it's one of those things that in a couple of thousand years, people will still be carrying backpacks around. And, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, they were carrying backpacks around. It's just one of those timeless formats of schlepping gear around. And, um, so that's a big one for me. The, the, uh, the tech pouch that we just did. Um, I know, uh, like I said, based on your user stuff that we've got a lot of uh, more kind of digital design folks out there, but in the world of, of dongles, uh, the tech power. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so definitely check that one out. I think the, uh, the tech pouch video actually features Adam who we mentioned earlier, but um, just watching that through, I was like, yeah, I probably need one of those. I've got like three other smaller things that are all cobbled together and a few dongles here and a few chargers there and it always gets swapped around but i'm gonna need one of those next um art tell us about one of your proudest professional moments as a designer sure yeah um i mean i can tell you a couple of those i did the uh the redesign of the original capture clip was was a big kind of uh, moment for me um, because it was a an extremely successful campaign. I think eight hundred thousand dollars raised or something like that, and a huge number of backers and just an outpouring of uh, really great um, response and won a number of design awards for it. But but most imp more importantly um, was taking a product that was already extremely well designed and trying to improve upon it is actually man, it is such a challenge. And I, I've been through that a number of times, but um, taking that V1 design to V2 um, and kind of having my, my my boss and our founder, Peter Daring, kind of like put his faith in me of this, this thing that was such a journey for him and then passing that off to someone else um, and putting his faith in me that, that I could do a better job and, uh, and being able to execute. And that's, that's kind of that like pay it forward design kind of thing of, Mm -hmm. like you know uh giving away your legos and letting the next kind of uh yeah. next in line kind of have their have their time on it i've really tried to do with with my team and uh uh our our designers now that i've kind of helped mentor and uh have helped me tremendously on the bag projects um are now kind of taking ownership on some of the new bags that we're designing so so that's pretty great um and then the uh, the travel line that we just launched, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of represents like this full circle thing of why I got into bags in the first place. And uh, in uh, in 2010, I did a big uh, trip, actually very similar to Pete's. Um, I did a seven month uh, season chase, basically surf trip. I'm a, I'm a lifelong surfer. So I did uh, New Zealand and Australia and uh, Indonesia and all through Southeast Asia and uh, uh, Hawaii and home. And I did it all out of a, uh, a chrome roll top backpack and uh, mm -hmm. kind of larger bike messenger backpacks. Uh, and a, and that kind of like, you know, when you spend that long living out of a single bag, <laughs> you start to really like kind of appreciate the details on it and kind of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it can really make or break uh, a trip just in terms of 
you know, how easy it is to get stuff and how you, you know, when it fails, like how big of an impact it has on your whole, you know, what you're trying to, what you're trying to do over there. And um, so that, so that kind of got me into the kind of looking at bags differently. It kind of, they just put, it just put it on my radar, I guess. And then in uh, 2016, when we launched the, our, our first bags, um, uh, you know, I was like hooked at that point. And this travel line is really like me designing the bag that I wanted to bring on that trip, you know? So it's kind of like coming full circle and closing the loop on, uh, you know, why I was passionate about this stuff originally. And it's, it's one bag travel, you know, it's kind of bringing everything on your back and kind of going out and not knowing, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles and wherever the wind may take you. And, uh, and I think that's an exciting thing. I think that's, uh, you know, why people travel in the first place is to kind of see what happens that, that kind of spirit of adventure and, uh, yeah, a bag like this is that that's what it's built for. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Seems like travel has uh been a big inspiration for you guys, um, both in um kind of the, the founding of the company and your understanding of the need for great um gear when you're again, like you said, kind of working out of one bag for that long. Um where else do you tend to find inspiration in the process? Yeah, um I mean, we're, we're the outdoors and travel, you know, we're all big backpackers and, um, and travelers at peak. Um, that's probably the common thread be, between all the employees, um, at peak. So, so backpacking, uh, in general, uh, and kind of being considered about the things that you bring around with you. Um, I'm actually, oddly enough, I'm kind of a, an economics nerd. Um, and I don't know where that came from, but that's something that I've kind of gotten into in the last five years. And, um, I think it's very like telling about human nature. And, um, I like, I, I get, I nerd out quite a bit on the kind of the why of design, um, and not in like big heady design school ways, but just decisions that have to do with um, like for example, uh, whether like, so I'm working on these duffel bags right now, um, which by the way, people can follow along with where, uh, we've posted a bunch of live hangouts, uh, for these, the, the kind of development of our duffel stuff, which is like halfway through basically. And, uh, it's kind of fun. You can like follow along and kind of see our progress and everything nice. did a, a live hangout. And, um, one of the examples I brought up is different ways to carry duffel bags. And um, uh, it's just like, it seems like a really simple problem. It's like throw some handles on there, throw a strap on there and you're done. Um, but there's all of these really, really interesting ways that we can attach straps to things to allow people to carry things in uh, different situations. Um, but they all have these tremendous downsides, whether it's confusion or um, people, uh, you know, not being able to re relate what this bag is versus what a, you know, their idea of a traditional duffel bag is in their heads. So these kind of behavior like issues are really interesting. You know, the bag that one person, the right bag for, well, I don't want to say the right bag, the bag that someone chooses to buy, uh, having access to like 
you know, watching a YouTube video of us explaining it or watching a reviewer explain it or, or just kind of doing their homework on the bag is very, very different than the bag that someone who walks into REI and sees it on the shelf and, 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 and that's their only piece of information for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's where kind of the, the behavior the behavioral economics kind of things come into play, you know, like people are making these value judgments in their own vacuum versus in, you know, the infinite information that is the internet. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that that is a really interesting part of design for me. So as uh, designers, the way I describe it oftentimes is kind of like that scene in the matrix where once he takes the pill, he's, you know, forever sees the world differently. Um, is there anything that you see now as a designer that kind of, kind of drives you crazy, like trends or shortcuts or, you know, what, what kind of drives you nuts? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm a very outspoken, critical person. Uh, I don't know if that's coming across in this interview, but, uh, I mean, one of the things that's driving me crazy right now, because we're we're diving extremely deep into our environmental footprint as a company and where the liabilities of things like CO2 production and chemical, you know, eutrophication and stuff, um, where those lie in the in the consumer chain. And, um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we feel pretty strongly that it's on us. The onus is on us. It's not on the consumer, at least now, uh, until there's, you know, unless there was some sort of regulations that made, you know, products be built in certain ways, which, you know, there are in some ways, I guess, but nowhere near where they could, where they probably should be, frankly. Um, I, so we, we're digging extremely deep into that world and, um, as I'm digging, the more I dig into it, the more just disheartened I am with uh, the prospect of us being able to, as a as a race, uh, as a uh, just as a species, to tackle the problem of of manufacturing and and really doing it in a in a, in a way that that closes the loop um i attended some of these kind of uh uh conferences and stuff about um specifically textile manufacturing uh lately and uh man it is it's wild how uh much work there is to do and consider considering how long we've been doing it and uh, how, but how deep the problems are and how ingrained they are and how you can spin. And the thing that's frustrating to me is you can spin an environmental story about just about any material. Uh, I can, I can, I can sell you on why it's better to use organic cotton than it is to use uh, petroleum based fabrics, or I can spin a story about why it's way better to use petroleum-based fabrics rather than a natural fiber uh, because of you know water use and land use and animal stuff and I, any number of factors go into it and uh, it's extremely difficult and we spent years on this trying to strip away the the marketing jargon around all of that and really get to the crux of what are the best materials to use 
it seems like it should just be a wipe sheet, you know, mm -hmm. and right. one, use this, do this, don't do this. And, uh, and nothing like that exists. And, um, you know, seven years into it now of building products and we're still asking ourselves these questions and we've been asking ourselves these questions for a long time. Uh, it just kind of makes me wonder, like, as the, as the world of manufacturing things becomes more and more disjointed and not in the hands of just like a few large companies, you know, like old school manufacturing is like brand X owns their own factory and they're making their clothes. And so mm -hmm. they have a fairly small chain, but that, that's not the way things are built anymore. You know, the way things are built are the way that Peak Design builds things where we work with a contract manufacturer who is manufacturing with, you know, any number of factories in any number of places all over the world. So there's this uh, tremendous web of, uh, of complexity out there. And um, so that, that, I mean, that's the future. And, and that's kind of where you see Kickstarter is and you see, but even large companies, they're manufacturing the same way now, you know, like whatever Gap and all these big companies um, that make clothing and stuff, they're, manufacturing with hundreds or thousands of different small-scale suppliers. And um, it really comes down to that access to information has been so difficult, um, where it seems like the most critical thing that we could do in terms of the impact of our products would be to just make that so easy, just so easy and accessible so that any, any kid coming out of design school who wants to build products Right off the bat, they know I got to do X, Y, and Z uh, in order to do it right. And I think we're a long ways away from that, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it sounds like the biggest challenge to that that you kind of talked about is there are so many stories about why one answer is right. And then if you look enough places, you can find why why that answer is wrong. <laughs> so it's kind of tough to get to the to the objective truth, if you will. So I think it's great that you guys are figuring out what what works best for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, another example of that is like um, we're using we're using recycled uh, plastic bottles for a lot of our fabrics, and it's extremely difficult. Like, I have fifty percent confidence that's a good move. You know, like it's a mm -hmm. it's a story. Like we we barely market it um, because partially because it's not really how we want to sell products. We just want to kind of do the right thing and let mm -hmm. that kind of speak for itself. But um, you know, in order to make make fabric out of recycled plastic bottles, it means that you can only use a certain quality of plastic bottles. So they go to Thailand versus any other country where they're not recycling their plastic bottles and it's all uh, virgin materials so that you can get the best recycled plastic bottles. And those plastic bottles have a price on the marketplace irrespective of whether it goes back into fabric production or not. Um, they would go into other plastic bottles or they would go into some other material if they weren't going into fabric production. Um, and there's a tremendous cost in harvesting all of that and cleaning all of that stuff and re, re you know, shipping that stuff all over the world. Um, and uh, trying to get to the crux of the problem of like, is it better, is it actually better? at the end of the day. And, uh, it's a very complex question. It kind of depends on what you define as better. Um, so maybe this issue in particular is one of, one of these things, but you know, 
all of us as creatives, as designers, we hit like rough spots or difficult things. Um, where do you go to kind of work through that or how do you, how do you shake that off and move on? I don't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, uh, I put down projects for a long time and that's, I, I think that's like the luxury of, of, of peak and in that we, are independent and we don't really, you know, uh, I mean, there are, there are times where we're like, we got to get this thing out by black Friday because X, Y, and Z, and we've made promises, but, uh, mm-hmm. in general, we don't launch products until they're ready. And, uh, and that allows for things to, to kind of marinate for a little bit. Um, and so if I'm having troubles with a design, element um i'll just put it down you know i'll, I'll put it down for a couple of weeks put it down for a couple of months put it down. i mean we've had projects where we've we've been full bore all hands on deck development and then we set them down for two years and we'll we'll talk about them and stuff but like we won't dedicate full resources to them until we we're kind of like our heads in the right space on it we've had some kind of breakthroughs you know <laughs> we talk about kind of like designing in the shower you're just like working through problems when you know when when you're when you're driving when you're riding your bike whatever and um and i think that that has really resulted in like the best solutions in a lot of time it's just 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 giving it time do you have any design heroes oh man i don't know (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. You think I'd have a better answer than that, but I don't really have uh, anything off the top of my head. Or maybe, uh, do you have other uh, product design brands that you admire? I'll, I'll say this: I think I I, I res- respect. Um, I think I have brands that I, that I admire more. And, um, I think that really just comes down to the difference between like design firms or, you know, design personalities versus, versus products. And, um, I, I think I, I, I never really think of a single person as designing a product. Um, like I, I don't have any delusions that Johnny Ive is over there. Like, you know, working out the details on the new iPad Pro or anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, at anything more than a high level. Um, so, uh, so it's hard for me because I don't know. I don't like I've, I haven't been in a room with these people and like seen what they're actually capable of. So it's hard for me to just be like, yes, that guy is amazing or yes, she's done some wild stuff. Um, but what I can say is is brands, you know, and uh, and specific product lines. You know, I have a tremendous respect for uh, the bag and carry and just product culture in San Francisco, I'd say that's a huge influence on me. Um, San Francisco is a, you know, it's like a, it's such a great bag culture because people get around in so many different ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got all these weird weather stuff that people have to deal with. So I think that breeds a lot of really interesting bags. Um, and as a result, we have, you know, some of the more interesting bag companies are based in San Francisco. Um, we've got, you know, the Chrome and Mission Workshop and Timbuktu and 
uh, on like the bike end of things. And then there's all these classic outdoor companies that are Bay Area or, you know, have roots in San Francisco in one form or another. Uh, and then all these really cool, like up and coming kind of boutique uh, companies, um, which maybe were one of those, but, uh, you know, companies like Black Ember and Air and uh, Ether and, you know, just triple out design and really kind of cutting edge stuff. And uh, so I, I, I take tremendous inspiration by from the local local companies around us for sure. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask everybody who's been on the show. Um, and I, I find that designers are an obsessed lot, which is the, uh, the theme of the show here. But I'm curious what you find, whether it's design or just in life, what are you most obsessed with right now? What am I most obsessed with? Uh, I'm shaped. So I, I said I'm a surfer. Um, I've I've shaped surfboards for um, a long time, and I, I actually had a surfboard shaping company for a number of years when I was like 16 to 22. I was shaping boards for local shops and stuff, um, uh, up in Sonoma County. And, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm shaping myself a, a gun, which is a, which is a big way of surfboard, uh, at the moment. So I'm getting very deep into, into gun design, um, <laughs> uh, surfboard gun design. And, uh, so that's interesting. And just like the history of big wave surfing and, uh, and all of that. And, uh, yeah. So what are the, what are the design characteristics of a big wave surfboard? Yeah, so it's it's very much a, a specialist, um, and I think I, I think that's kind of the what I'm trying to do with it is to turn it from how do you turn this thing that is designed to do one thing, uh, which is ride big waves, and uh, traditionally those boards do not that that's all they do. They don't it, you wouldn't want to ride it in anything under you know twelve to fifteen feet or something like that, um, and and turn it into a more useful object so that it's not just gathering dust for the other 363 days a year um, that you're not using it. Um, so that uh, I'm, I'm trying to kind of work on this like travel board kind of situation. And I've made a couple before, but basically doing fin setups and kind of rocker profiles that make the board useful in small waves as well. And that's kind of like, so I'm doing these like, single fin plus quad fin setups. So you ride it as a quad when it's really big and then you pull those fins out and you ride it as a single fin when it's really small and hopefully without affecting any of the performance on the, on the big wave side of things. So. Cool. Well, you'll have to report back on how your gun turns out. <laughs> um, what is your favorite piece of advice either that you have personally received or maybe your favorite piece of advice to share with your other young designers on the team? Hmm. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know. This is the first, I, I don't know if it's my favorite piece of advice. This is something that's popped into my head, but I think a lot of designers get, incredibly wrapped up in the world of like rendered sketching um i mean if you follow any design stuff on instagram it's just all of these beautifully rendered out 
sketches and uh my experience in design has <laughs> this is just like it's just has so, so little place in working with um an in-house design situation anyways uh, it, it, and maybe that's just because we don't have to sell our designs to anyone essentially if you're a design firm like half of your job is designing the product and half of your job is marketing the product to your client and uh so much of the work that goes into it is like all these beautiful renderings and presentations and like explanations of feature sets and um and that's just that's great but uh at the end of the day i don't think that it it doesn't make for better products <laughs> like i i and i am you know our designers i uh i like hand waving and thumbnail sketches is totally acceptable. And I say that as someone who like, I deeply love sketching and I love spending a lot of time on a sketch and I love like the artistic aspect of it all. But uh, I think that a lot of young designers would be better served to get gain a deeper knowledge of manufacturing than working on their, you know, shading or whatever. So yeah, that's the thought. I don't know if that's my best piece of feedback, but something. Love it. Well, Art, I am a big fan of what you guys are up to. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Before I let you go, maybe tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and learn more about Peak Design. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. Uh, God, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Um, ArtBJ is my thing, at ArtBJ. Uh, and uh, Peak Design, uh, I recommend signing up for our newsletter. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, follow us on on the old social meds. And uh, we do a lot of live hangout stuff. And if you want to get involved in the design process, um, we send out server surveys and stuff. And like I said, this duffel thing is a lot of fun. If you're uh, at all involved in bag design, we're, we're, we're kind of pulling the curtain back behind it all. So. Love it. Well, Art, thanks for your time today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. All right, Josh. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. Okay, kids, that's show number 117 officially in the books. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Art VJ from Peak Design. As we expand our topics here at Obsessed Show, please tweet at Obsessed Show and let me know who else you think we should talk to. Do you wanna hear from video people, from authors, from painters? What kind of creators and creatives and makers are most interesting to you? Because that's who I wanna interview on this show. Don't forget to check out that new 59 Second Friday series all about personal branding and marketing on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Josh Miles. And it would mean a lot to me if you just hit that subscribe button. Every subscriber means a lot. You can get all of today's show notes on our website, still at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show climbed its first peak at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Visit milesherndon.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.